This is a criticsatlarge.ca podcast. David Churchill and Kevin Courier reviewing Hemingway and Gellhorn, currently on HBO. Okay, well, David Churchill and I, who regularly review movies and popular culture for Critics at Large, are today doing the first podcast for Critics at Large. And we've decided to talk about a movie that right now is on HBO. It's called Hemingway and Gellhorn. It's a film about the lives of journalist Martha Gellhorn and her husband, writer Ernest Hemingway. The movie was directed by Philip Kaufman, who did movies like The Right Stuff, The Unbearable Lightness of Being, Henry and June. And this movie first aired back in late May on the network. So what Philip Kaufman does is he traces two creative people in a very seismic world event and how that transforms and shapes their romantic relationship. Now, David, this is a movie that's got a really interesting subject, some really good actors. And as I said, it's a seismic event that it starts with. But the reactions to this movie have been seismic in a completely different way. In fact, most of the critics who've written about this movie have attacked it thoroughly. Um, in fact, they're treating it as if it's, it's actually camp as opposed to drama. Um, so what do you think? Do you think this movie has earned the kind of reaction that it's gotten? Well, the problem is, as we've discussed in the past uh, with, which between you and I, is the fact that Philip Kaufman is a director who we both greatly admire never seems to get a break. You know, whether it's everything from the right stuff right up to the present day, everything he's made, even the right stuff was, I remember at the time it came out, and I think it was more because it was connected to the... Uh, the uh, aspirations of John, John Glenn. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, that everybody was calling it a jingoistic right-wing uh, America rah-rah movie. In fact, it's no, exactly... No, John Glenn's not right-wing. No, it he's isn't. He's a Democrat. <laughs> he's a Democrat, and it's the exact opposite. Yeah. You know, and uh, if you look at films like Unbearable Lightness of Being, which, uh, you know... It has a, a, a following, but it said in all his films, except for Twisted, which was a disaster, but that's yeah. everybody has one bad movie. His films are always just so compelling, so fascinating. The way he brings the characters together. And he seems to have an obsession with writers. He's like, you know, there was Unbearable Lightness of Being. There was Henry in June, which is about uh, Henry uh, Miller and uh, Aeneas Nin. And then, of course, there's Quills, which was about uh, the Marquis de Sade. Mm -hmm. And this film, it's, it's, it's Hemingway and, and Gellhorn. And here he's actually, I think, his obsessions with the, the, the writer is the fact he's trying to get inside what it means to be a writer and what it means to exist as a writer and the competitions that obviously develop, which clearly does in this film too, between the two characters as they try to first um, develop a relationship and we you know work together as writers, and then as Hemingway becomes more jealous of Gellhorn's success as she travels the world as a war correspondent, it blows him apart. And Kaufman takes this material and actually he he actually makes it compelling visually. Like he uses a, a sound uh, he, um, editor and sound editor Walter Murch to actually make the story visually exciting. Well, you know, that, we should say that I mean the script uh, for this film, which was written by Jerry Stahl and Barbara Turner. Um, is not a very good script. No. I mean, it doesn't get into certain specifics of their lives. I mean, it, like most things, it fudges some of the facts. Like her being a writer before she even met him yeah, and a successful exactly. writer for that. It never... but, but it also has that kind of sweeping broadness that you get in certain kind of potboilers, especially romantic potboilers, where they're trying to sort of, you know, treat their relationship as writers, as artists, in almost this kind of harlequin you know, purplish sort of way. And the dialogue at times has some of that purple prose aspect to it. But I think what Kaufman manages to do with the material is exactly what you're saying. He gets at some of the specifics that are all about who these people are as writers, as creative people, and how world events affect them. And I think 
for one, Nicole Kidman's the casting of her as Martha Gellhorn is a really interesting choice because I wouldn't have picked Nicole Kidman to play Martha Gellhorn because Nicole Kidman to me has never been an actress that's had much of an adventurous spirit. She she's a cold actress. She's a very cold, almost cerebral actress. Sure and, is. and she's had a career of mostly miscasting herself, if not being miscast, period. And so I thought to play somebody who's got that kind of dynamic and independence and yeah. passion, I just thought, where's she going to find that? But Kaufman manages to get something out of her in this movie that I think is similar to what you see in Barbara Stanwyck and some of those early films that she made that were some of them were also melodramas where Stanwyck was able to play that kind of toughness. But the toughness was also connected to a core vulnerability as if the toughness is what anchored her so that she could feel what she felt at its strongest. And Stanwood could be extraordinarily sexual. You sure know? could, yeah. And, and I think for the first time, Kidman becomes that in this film. It's a whole new side to her I've never seen before. And yet none of the critics have seemed to want to point that out. Clive Owen, I think, is more in his wheelhouse playing Ernest Hemingway. And he's, he's quite good. And he matches her quite well. But what you were saying, David, is really interesting about what, what Kaufman does with Walter Murch. Because one of the th- key things they do in, in illustrating what you were saying is they use some of the real film footage from the Spanish Civil War and digitally are able to bring the actors into that actual footage. So what we see throughout this movie is people walking into history. And the whole movie's about how they try to change history, but history, in a sense, changes them because but we know the Spanish Civil War and what happened. So many films we see in the 21st century, his special effect is just that. That's all it is, nothing else. It doesn't tell the story. Kaufman, when he uses it, whether it's having characters walk into history, as you say, or whether we see uh, the X1 flying in the right stuff, it's all about telling the story. And that's what is important to him. He doesn't care about whether, oh, this looks great on screen. It's about what can I do with this to make my story have more meaning. And you're absolutely right about the script. It, um, it is more, more of a melodramatic wash in a light way because it kind of glosses over certain characters. It kind of softens almost the, um, the, the left-wing nature of, of Hemingway in a way and the fact that he, uh, he's in denial of what the Soviets are doing and, he, and other characters aren't. But it doesn't really get into the depth of that. It just kind of brushes against it a little bit here and there. It's almost like there's a bit of a fear in the script to actually de- delve deeply into the, into the problems within the left wing during that era. Which is the idea that, of course, Hemingway, by going and taking part in the Spanish Civil War, is trying to do something that American writers were in general trying to do at that time when they were watching their European counterparts get involved in some of these major world events that were taking place and their writing was to be shaped by those events and Americans a lot of writers as we know like even um you know F Scott Fitzgerald and um and uh, Hammett and others they all went to Hollywood they were writing screenplays Faulkner. and Faulkner the same yeah and and so the idea of going to Spain at this key moment when they were you know up against the Franco's fascists was a way in which a writer could really define themselves. And in Hemingway's case, he did, but he also defined what became that kind of cult of personality, right. that way in which Hemingway became kind of like Hemingway, you Papa. know, the great yeah Papa, the yeah. great American writer who was also this larger than life personality. And you can sense in the movie that what Kaufman is getting at is that. Gellhorn has to define herself as a writer. Her relationship with Hemingway is not so much that she's going to become his anecdote or just simply attached to him. She instead is going to be somebody who's going to find her own voice by being with him. 
the part of the story that I found interesting is that she does find her voice. She manages to walk into history. Hemingway walks out of history. Mm. And for the very reasons you said earlier, the naivete and so forth, things he doesn't see because he's not committed as much to the events as she is. He's committed to the idea that I'm Ernest Hemingway and I'm here. Yes. He's already become that larger-than-life personality. So he isn't seeing what she's seeing. Yeah. But she needs Hemingway because his discipline, when he becomes the writer, she sees in him this kind of discipline, this kind of relentless passion that she wants. And that's how Kaufman tries to get at their relationship. People forget about the performance and look at the person who's playing the performance. Yeah. And then there, that becomes called a personality. That becomes the thing they attack. Mm -hmm. And I think that was going on here, too, is the fact that they said, this is Nicole Kidman. She can't be playing uh, this character. I don't believe her for a second. And Clive Owen as, as Hemingway, he doesn't look anything like Hemingway. That doesn't matter. It matters whether you know you actually believe the characters are who they are playing. Yeah. And Kaufman has a way of pulling that out of, out of them. But people tend to not want to look at that. It becomes a bit more difficult. They want to look at the easy. The simple solution is just to attack somebody like Kidman because of Kidman. Uh, Hemingway and Gellhorn to me is kind of, it's, its strengths to me in some ways transcend its weaknesses. There's an attempt here in this story to get at how history can change relationships between two creative people who both fall in love, but at the same time are trying to find their, their independence as artists. I think also the fact that, you know, Merch, uh, Walter Merch brings so much together. Like, they've been partners in, in films for years now, and the way that he edits a film, plus the way he manipulates and uses sound, is something that clearly appeals to, uh, to Kaufman, always has. And those techniques, those subtle things, they're not in your face necessarily, but they actually, you do, you can't help but notice watching Nicole Kidman walking across the street in Madrid in 1936. But even just like the use of the sound effects, use of the, of the, of the, the, the sound scape, shall we call it. And it just pulls you into the characters and pulls you into the story. So he uses every arsenal that he can think of, including a talent like Walter Murch, his cinematographer, Roger Stoffler. Um, uh, and just, uh, just, it's got something that he actually finds a way to make something as, as melodramatic and uh, inconsequential have consequence. And that's what we think the movie has ultimately is some consequence to it. It's, it, it has a core of feeling, even though the material itself sometimes avoids getting into those areas it's a real it's a movie where there's a conflict between what the director knows and what he wants and what the material is giving him but i would say from both david and i that we'd recommend the movie on the grounds that there is actually enough of phil kaufman's desire and ability to get inside what this story is about than the story may appear to have on the surface exactly Hemingway and Gellhorn, directed by Phil Kaufman, continues on HBO until the end of the year. David Churchill, myself, and Shlomo Schwartzberg will be back in the fall to do a podcast on Stephen King's novel 221163 when it comes out in paperback. Criticsatlarge.ca is a daily site that critiques all of the arts. Please join us where you can read more reviews from David Churchill and myself and a number of other writers on the arts.